Hello there, friends. I'm Richard Kisnan. We all knew it was coming. Adulthood. Relationships and marriage, business, health, money, bills, fitness. If you're like me, we didn't think that life would come at us like this. I welcome you to join me for raw, authentic, and hopefully really fun conversations about coming into your own as an adult and to help you create a powerful life of your design. This is the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. Hey there, AR Nation. I've got a quick announcement I'd like to share with you. It's about an incredibly powerful, high-ticket marketing community that I'm a proud member of. It's called the Super Affiliate Accelerator. This program's absolutely for you if you want to be successful online. Whether you're a beginner looking to get started with an online business, and also if you already have an online business but struggling to reach your goals. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is run by three experienced and amazing coaches. Between the three of them, they've sold millions of dollars in products and services online across all different industries. Why I find the Super Affiliate Accelerator so powerful is because of its unique all-in-one blend of a proven training program, weekly coaching and mentoring from an amazing group of accomplished internet marketers, and a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. For a limited time, the SAA coaches are offering a complimentary business strategy call. So whether you're a coach or consultant, if you provide professional services, or if you just want to start an online business, but you're confused or overwhelmed with where or how to start, I invite you to check out this incredible program, the Super Affiliate Accelerator. And you can learn more today by visiting richardkistnan.com forward slash SAA. Again, that's richardkistnan.com forward slash SAA. Now, let's get to today's amazing episode. Hello there, friends. How's it going? Welcome back to the Adulthood Revisited Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Kiston. So glad that you're spending your time, your energy with me, wherever you are in the world, doing whatever it may be you're doing at the moment. I really am truly appreciative and grateful for that. Uh, Let me take a brief moment and extend just a a small favor if you can do it. Again, if you're enjoying the podcast, again, I'm really appreciative but if you can share, subscribe, rate, review, let's grow and take over the world. That's the whole goal. No, but uh, if, you, if you get a chance, a quick minute or two to drop a review, share, subscribe, it'll really do a lot for the show. I'm super excited for this episode. Um, this is kind of like serendipity that happened. Uh, and I'm really excited to share a little bit about how this meeting came about. But I'm, I'm, I'm just going to introduce my guest um, to the show today. His name is Johan Versteg. He's the founder and creator of Social Media Breakup com and his goal and his his mission is to help people reclaim their power and sort of separate and disconnect themselves from the hold that devices and social media have on us today so johan welcome to the adulthood revisited podcast thank you richard fantastic introduction it's my pleasure it's an honor thank you for having me yeah i'm super excited i alluded to this just briefly and we were talking about it right as we got on but how the how this connection came and you shared that it was sort of randomly the podcast appeared on, I guess, Apple listing. Exactly. Um, and it was an episode that I did talking about a board game. Yes, yes, exactly. And you, so we'll, we'll dive into it because I know you have like a fascinating history with, with board game development and sort of how you deploy and implement board games in what you do as a coach uh, for social media breakup. So, you know what, let me, let me pull back and I'll yield the floor to you, Johan. So if you can share a little about who you are your background and how you got to where you are today. All right, yes. So I'm from Holland, from Amsterdam. And well, 
10 years ago, I got the very first smartphone created by Google, the HTC, T-Mobile smartphone. And that device also used the very first version of Android. So that started everything, right? So I started social media breakup because I have experiences with smartphone addiction and social media addiction. And 10 years ago, when I started to use that smartphone, I constantly used it. It was a novelty. And of course, it was nice. I could show off with this device. People were like, what do you have in your hand? It's not like a PDA, you know, personal digital assistant. It's no feature phone. It's no flip phone. What is it exactly? It's like you can type on it. It's like it's pretty big. It's pretty impressive. And Facebook was pretty popular back then already. This, we're talking now about 2010. So when, once I started to use Facebook, I started to instantly, I started to use Facebook a lot. And this exploded once I found a girl, a girlfriend, a Brazilian girlfriend. And she loved Facebook. She loved social media. So because of her, we constantly were connecting on social media. So it was not like using Skype or some personalized communication. No, it was all through social media. And she really was posting every single day, like five, six times about us, about how fantastic we are, how amazing I am, how we're going to get married together and, you know, be happy, every, uh, you know, happy ever after. And it was nice in the beginning. I was like, yes, I want to show the world how amazing she is, how amazing we are, how much I love her. But sometimes she would say, hey, Johan, where is my post, right? Where's my Celine Dion song? Where's my Barry White song? Where's my beautiful quote? Where's that photo, right? So she kind of like starting to pressure me to post. Like it was my turn now. You know, people have to know that I think about her as well, that she's not only thinking about me, but that I think about her as well. And honestly, Richard, I always have this mantra that I live by. It says, I don't want to die stupid. You know, so I, I know that I should be in the uncomfortable zone constantly as much as I can. And the more I was posting, the more I was starting to lose myself, right? I was producing, but not in a way I want to produce. Like there was no value in creating posts. So one time she were walking on the beach and then she was drawing a heart in the sand, right? And then letter J for Johan loves, her name is Fernanda, loves F like Fernanda. And then she asked me, Johan, could you please kneel in front of the heart? I said, yes, no problem. And then she took a photo. And then four hours later, I saw the photo online and it says, oh my God, look how beautiful this is. Johan made this heart, was draw, draw, drew this heart for me. He's the most fantastic boyfriend ever. And then I noticed like, wow, so we're actually now starting to lie about our relationship. We start to really emphasize on other people that they have this image about us, that we are happy, that we are so fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera. So that was the moment that I told myself, you know, something is up. Why do we take this whole invention of social media so seriously? Like why now Mark Zuckerberg created this platform? So why are we so attached now to this whole platform, social media, this whole Facebook? And I saw more people were also connecting on Facebook. And it was a novelty back then. So social media was actually like pretty positive. It was perceived as a positive development. But I was like, no, that's it. So what happens was I started to create a website for the World Cup because I wanted to produce, I wanted to do something. I wanted to disconnect a bit from social media. So I started to create this website and then the whole thing, the whole relationship got worse. She was frustrated because I wasn't posting on social media. She was constantly then you know, saying, Johan, where are you? Where are you? Where's my post? Where's my post? Where's my post? And I'm saying, look, we can talk on Skype. But she says, no, but the people should know, like, you know, what about them? I said, who cares about them? Why do they matter so much? But she couldn't really see that. So eventually we broke up. And then the funny thing is we broke up. And then a few weeks later, people would still ask me like, hey, how are you guys doing? 
and I say, well, we broke up. And then people were like, well, really? I mean, you guys were like posting almost every single day. And then suddenly you broke up. Like, we need closure as well. We following, we're following your whole journey you know, from the beginning. And now you're telling me you broke up. So that was, again, a, re a reality check that we really post only the positive moments of life, right? Not even just positive. Like, we lie about it. We make it even more beautiful. We fake it in a way. So that was enough reason for me to disconnect and then focus on the website. And then I started to use Facebook less, but I, but I still used it for business purposes, for the website. So I created a fan page and built an audience for the World Cup, football fans, soccer fans. But I never used it anymore uh, for personal reasons for three years. So for a while now, I'm okay with social media. I use Twitter now, I use Instagram, I use Facebook sometimes, but it's for business purposes. But then in 2018, I noticed more people were talking about screen addiction, phone addiction, social media addiction. And these terms were never used 10 years ago. But now you hear more of these terms and people are now more complaining about, yeah, I'm using social media a bit too much. And now, especially with this pandemic, now a lot of people are talking about it. But before the pandemic, I, th I thought, you know what, let me start a social media breakup and help people to disconnect so they can learn how to reconnect mindfully not just with tech, but also with, with their loved ones, with friends, and also with themselves. And that's why I started socialmediabreakup.com two years ago in 2018. When, if we can go back a little bit, because I'm always curious, like, curious about these origin stories. Um, I, and like you shared a lot of detail with, with your then girlfriend about what were, aside from the relationship, what else did you have going on in life? Because I'm, I'm curious about maybe some people would have never given it a second thought, right? But it might be the way you operate your values, like who you are and your experiences that that like rubbed you the wrong way to then, you know, this, this was a flow from that. So maybe, I don't know if it's maybe a work question or some other activities that you enjoy, like what, what else do you, did you have going on in your life that this was so profound for you that like it became a problem? Yeah. It's because of the mantra, I don't want to die stupid. But it's, I also wanted to, I always wanted to produce because I actually never wanted to work for someone. So for a long time, always in the back of my mind, I told myself, you should do something. You're learning. I was learning, uh, yeah, reading books, learning about WordPress, learning about this and that. And when you read, you, you feel this sense of accomplishment, right? That you have achieved something, but you haven't. So, but for the, I had to, it took a while before I actually understood that. So I always, well, I was always learning and being curious and trying to experiment. So once I was not learning anymore, once all my energy went to Facebook and it went to her, I noticed that I was not wanting to produce, I was not planning to produce, but I also wasn't really learning or reading books or reading blogs. And so there was actually nothing that I was doing that was connected to self-development because I've always done something connecting to self-development. And exactly like you said, like a lot of people, they're probably not even connected to self-development, but I always was, because I studied international business and management. So once I studied that, I noticed like, yeah, you know what? I want to start my own business one day. So that always was playing in the back of my mind. So I think that voice then came louder and louder once I started to really invest in social media, because that voice was basically saying, I don't know what you're doing, Johan, but this is not the right path for you. <laughs> you're going you know, in the wrong direction. So I think, yeah, that voice really helped me out. That helped me to wake up, essentially, yeah. Yeah. So now, getting back to where you left, left off the story, 2018, right, where you started seeing things of, um, like, social media just 
illnesses, right? Or, or the inability of people to like distance themselves from, from tech. Like yeah. what you, you saw the problem, you saw a problem that was, that was existent. Why did you, why did you feel the need if you felt it at all, like to, to then address it? Cause that's a huge, you're talking about a, pro- a, a global problem, right? Maybe larger in some, some areas of the world than others. Yeah. But, like, why did you feel the need to start this? This needs to be addressed. Actually, I thought initially it was a small problem. I thought, well, not many people will resonate with this actually, because initially I thought, let me do something in the self-development business. But it's, it's too, that's, that's very broad. That's like, it's huge and it has a lot of players. But just because I thought, you know what, I have experience with this. I've experienced with this excessive phone use, excessive social media use. That I thought, okay, let me do something about it. And the funny thing is, initially, I wanted to focus on YouTube addiction, actually. Just one particular platform or two, not even smartphones. It was just like more YouTube or Facebook. But then, yes, I realized, wait a second. I see a lot of, like, when I check YouTube then, about that topic, I saw a lot of people presenting about phone addiction, how to beat phone addiction, the whole term of, of uh, a nomophobia that I learned. It's like, okay. So then I thought, you know what, maybe this is not really a small niche. Maybe people are ready for this. Because 10 years ago, I would never think of, you know what, let me help people because no one was really talking about it. But I think now the awareness is increasing. I think even although I think we're still like in, I compare phone addiction sometimes to the smoking, uh, the activity of smoking in the 50s, that a lot of people were smoking and it was a basically normality. Even if you wanted to quit smoking, like everyone was doing it. So it was very hard not to smoke. But I think back then people were kind of thinking, or at least some people were kind of thinking, you know what, smoking so much is probably not a good idea. And I can imagine, and now I see that we all use our screens and we can all justify why we're using our screens so much because we have to check emails, we have to check notifications, we have to stay in contact with this person. But I think more and more now people start to realize like, you know, I'm using my screens a lot and I can justify it, but it's just, it just doesn't feel good. Especially then when you see other people around you who use their screens a lot, then you tell yourself, yeah, no, I, I can, and I really should do something about it, even though that everyone is using their screens. So it just became, it's, it's, it's becoming more prevalent. So I think that gave me that boost of, you know what, let me just help people with it. And actually not a lot of people were, are in this space. Actually in 2018, a lot of people told me, well, I've never heard of that before. Like, what? You're helping people with Facebook? Are you helping people with smartphones? But not in a bad way. Actually, in a good way. Like, ah, oh, that's a good idea. Ah, oh, yeah, I, I see a lot of people using their screens. Like, people kind of understood, oh, that's cool what you're doing. But now I see a lot of more, I see a lot more players in this space, especially because of this pandemic, that a lot of players are now talking about excessive screen time. And so, yeah, I think really just because I see that the awareness is there. Yeah. Pulling along that, that thread, because uh, I want to talk about the, the dive into the business, right? Um, pri- prior to actually establishing social media breakup and, and pursuing it, let's say, full time and putting your energy into it, um, how did you, when you decided, this is something that I'm going to try to tackle, right, and, and try to help people out. How did you think about what was the, what was the best way or, or how would you reach people? Like, what was that thought process like? when you're creating social media breakup? Was it going to be strictly in-person coaching? Was it going to be phone calls? How, how did you like come together and build the plan for social media breakup? So I created a course on Udemy, which was for iPhone users. 
So it's still online. And I basically explain people how to transform their device into a friend. So from an enemy to a friend, to an ally, how it can help you to enhance your own life. So I started to build that course. And I'm, I'm actually now building a different course, like a big one. And, but I initially always wanted to, I always told myself I'm going to do coaching. And then just one to one. I'm planning to do group coaching and bigger courses. But I told myself, let me just do one to one, especially because people don't really like to say that they're addicted to phones and social media. And also that's, that's why it's not always a term that I use. For example, I say someone is a compulsive user or it's a problematic, problematic use what they, what they show, what they display. So this whole word that addiction has a, a negative connotation. So I don't always want to say it that much. And also people, they feel kind of ashamed, like, yeah, well, <laughs> am I really addicted to screens or so they kind of like embarrassed about it. And so you do notice that people are a bit more open just because a lot of people complain about it. So I always say one-to-one -one coaching is the best because then people can really be themselves, can really talk about it. And, and not even in group coaching, probably I think now people are ready for that as well. But my number one method then was one-to-one -one coaching. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you can share a little about this, but I'm, I'm curious. I'm always in terms of like uh, neuroplasticity and how, how our interaction with the world our brain reacts to that neurologically. Can you share a little, because I think I saw something on your website about this. Can you share a little about um, maybe how we, our interaction with our devices, our displays and social media, how our brain reacts to that versus maybe in contrast, other maybe personal relations or when we spend time with people. Is there any like science or research into that that you're aware of? Yeah, well, a lot of research still has to be done in terms of the long-term effects because smartphones made their introduction in 2007. So there's a lot that we don't know in terms of the long-term effects. But a lot of research has already been done in terms of the short-term effects. And yes, there is evidence that it is affecting our brain. For example, we become good at being distracted. So unfortunately, the brain is sometimes compared with the universe, right? Like it doesn't tell you what's good or what's bad. It will just see what you're doing and then it's going to help you to become good at that. So if you're like, for example, complaining a lot, then you're going to get good at complaining. If you use your phone a lot, you're going to get good at using your phone. If you're distracting yourself a lot, you're going to get good at distracting yourself. So it's so hard now to focus because there's so much stimulation, so much temptation now, and our devices constantly demand our attention, attention. So it's very hard to focus. And because of that, then we get very good at, distracted, at getting distracted. So our brains are now adapting and those neurons that are firing together, wired together, they say, you know what, okay, this is what you like to do, this is what you do a lot, let me help you out. The brain will never tell you, you know, this is not good for you, you know, you should maybe do this or that. No, the brain is just observing, seeing that you're doing that a lot, so you're going to get good at that. So you want to be very mindful by the, where, where you place your energy and focus on. And also what happens is we outsource our happiness, essentially. We we want for people to say good things about us. And if that doesn't happen, then we won't really feel good about ourselves. Like this isn't the case when you don't have high self-confidence. So you purposely post on social media because you want those comments and then you're going to feel good about yourself. And the problem is we become more depressed and more sad because if you believe the if you believe the good, you're also going to believe the bad, unfortunately. And I say always, you don't want to believe you're never as good as they say you are. You're never as bad as they say you are. But we essentially, we, we're just all over the place. 
and we lose sight of what's important. And another aspect in terms of the brain, let me go back to the brain, is another, um, it's called Google, the Google effect, digital dementia. What, that, what happens is that we outsource our brains to tech. So calculating, remembering, that becomes harder. For example, if I use like a robotic arm or like, you know, as a cyborg, I replace, like I help my arm with tech, it's going to enhance one of my body parts, then I become very strong. But when I take it off, then my arm is very weak. And the same happens with our brains. Like our phones are always with us. We can always ask someone for answers. We don't have the time to contemplate, to reflect, to, to think, to be creative, because our phones are always there for, uh, to help us with any answers. We want to know something, Google is there, or we can ask a friend. Calculations, our phone knows. So we don't think anymore. People don't know anymore how much is 16 times 60, for example. They just take their phone because it's programmed. It's, it's mental conditioned, right? They go straight for their phone. So it's, it's, our brains become lazy. We don't train our brain. And again, you think technology is enhancing our lives, which is the case, but we should be careful that we don't outsource too much of ourselves, of our being, because again, it's nice if I now replace my arm or I put a robotic arm on it, I'm very strong, but I don't train my left arm anymore. So that's why I want, so the question is, in what way are we going to outsource our power, our being to technology? So that's why we want to be very careful in terms of how we utilize our brains. We are all over the place, we can't focus, we outsource a lot of our activities to tech and our brains, they don't really know how to cope. It's just those dopamine hits that are always generated because of those notifications. So basically your brain just wants you to go for your phone. It's straining you to go for your phone because you feel good. Those dopamine hits are generated and then you need, and in order to have those, that same dopamine hit, you need to use like more notifications are required. So it becomes desensitized essentially. So the first time I receive a notification, then dopamine hits, dopamine hits, and then to get that same hit, that the phone needs to basically, it's, we need a lot, the phone needs a lot more, um, it needs to distract us a lot more for us to basically feel something. So what we do is we try to get those notifications by posting a lot, by, uh, by trying to get that interaction from people. And if they then interact with us, we get a dopamine hit. So in other words, we cannot really sit still because we want for our phones to light up. We want for our phones to say, hey, here am I, here's a message, check me out. And that's very dangerous because you cannot really be satisfied if you don't see those notifications come in. It's like if you're bored, you don't really feel energized and you need those, those smartphones to just give you that moment of like excitement. And that's basically, I make up to you. What were you gonna say? Yeah, so that, that's one of the reasons why it's so dangerous if we outsource so much to tech. Like, I want to ask, as you were, as you were sharing that, like, do you think that this is a problem restated? I, I guess the, the what I'm asking is, like, over time there are problems that that pervade humanity, but they show up in different forms, right? And I understand, like, a smartphone. Yeah. This is the first time. We've had like so much display, so much like hardware tech available to us. But do you think that this this is just 
like a problem that humanity has faced for millennia just again in a different form or do you think that because this is all brand new like again tech tech as we know it computers and smartphones 20 30 years old to the extent that that we have it access accessibility to it the way we do today that this is something that we just don't know how to deal with yeah 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 for example addiction it's 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 a secondary pain it's a secondary problem basically so indeed we escape we are escaping our lives for many decades like forever for a long time so it's nothing new but now with technology it's easy to escape our lives before we had alcohol we had drugs we had movies but now we can really escape our lives our offline version of ourselves to social media so now we have this situation that we have an online version of ourselves and an offline version of ourselves and now we focus more on the online version of ourselves and we can create that version as as we please like we can tweak it we can craft it and then we are happy with it or, and we want for people to be happy with that persona that online persona so it's now very easy to constantly escape our problems by diving into the virtual world so i think we people are never really capable of dealing with our own problems dealing with our own pains and we just it's just it's just uncomfortable but we don't understand that if we don't deal with those problems and those and and and, and uh trauma then it's going to dictate our lives unfortunately and we, we we think it doesn't but it does but alcohol going out fast foods just that instant gratification social media is just one of them and it's a powerful one because you can convince yourself that you are not wasting your time that you are connecting with people that you are checking emails that you are um, checking the news checking the weather with cigarettes or gaming or alcohol it's like no that's just bad for you but with social media and with tech it's very easy to convince yourself that you're not wasting your time at all but essentially what you're doing is you're just escaping you feel uncomfortable you go to social media you're not dealing with the reason why you feel uncomfortable so yeah it's it's a problem that we face for for many years many decades for a long time but with technology now it becomes even more challenging to deal with our problems because it's so easy to escape if and, and I want to dive into maybe a little more specifically how you help people later on. But like the question I want to ask now is someone who's listening to this, right? Our friends, our family members, like how, how would someone recognize that they have a compulsory use or, you know, with, or compulsory relationship with technology, with social media, other than, you know, cause if, if, and I, I don't know this for myself, right? Cause I, I'm like the Sega Genesis Nintendo generation, but like if my, if parents were to tell, tell their kids, Hey, you're spending too much time with social media. A, a child may brush that off as like a, a parent that's just interfering too much in their lives. Right. Cause that's, that's what my parents, I experienced that with video games. You're just playing too much video games. So how would someone on their own or, you know, whether it's a, a, a child, teenager, or an adult recognize that maybe they have an issue or addiction with devices and social media? Yeah, uh, one of them, for example, is do you feel an urge a lot of times? Like, do you feel this urge to go for your phone even when it's not showing any notifications or it's not buzzing or vibrating? Do you feel this urge to go for your phone? Do you, for example, experience uh, phantom vibrations a lot that you just think about your phone and you think your phone is, is moving or is making a sound? Do you try to detach yourself from social media and your phone, but you fail? So you've already made multiple attempts, but you fail constantly? Or do people say that, hey, you are using your phone way too much or using social media way too much. You should kind of detach because 
this is hurting our lives, so it's hurting your life? Or do you see that your own results are decreasing in terms of your studies, your work, your relationships? Does it have any detrimental effects when it comes to your life? Does it negatively impact your life, your excessive social media use, your excessive phone use? Do you sleep with your phone underneath the pillow? Do you always eat with your phone next to you? Do you always bring it to the bathroom? If you're not with your phone, how do you feel about it? Are you okay with that? Are you able to go to the supermarket without your phone, without tripping, without panicking? Can you do that? Do you put yourself, how do you feel physically? How is your neck? How is your posture? Do you pay attention? Um, because, or, or eyesight, it can have effects, negative, negative effect on that as well. So you want to check physically how you're doing. And also when you take photos, do you put yourself in dangerous situations? You almost trip sometimes. Do people say, hey, watch out? Do you sometimes catch yourself that you're like almost hitting a wall? Or do you put yourself in dangerous situations for selfies? Like, does it matter that much that people see that photo of you that you're like standing on the top of a building? So, yeah. And, all, and do you also notice that you just feel negative, depressed, sad, frustrated after a social media session? Because we feel bad. Again, like we sometimes have this pain or our thoughts are negative and we remember some event that happened in the past. We don't like it. We feel uncomfortable. We go for our phone. And how does it make you feel after you're done with social media? Do you feel worse? Do you feel better? Was it productive what you've done? Are you proud of yourself after that social media session? So because oftentimes people who notice that they have to really detach or um, yeah, detach from social media or disconnect from the internet or their devices, they notice that they just are not happy. They experience these negative feelings that it becomes too obvious that it's not helping that excessive use. So yeah, those are a few reasons how you can, how you know that, okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm just thinking too much about my phone and I'm just uncomfortable if my phone doesn't move or doesn't want my attention. Like you're waiting for it constantly. It's because it's, it's unpredictable, right? Those rewards to go back to dopamine. It's unpredictable. You don't know when your phone wants your attention. So you're kind of like anticipating it. That's why it's not good to have your phone close to you because you're basically anticipating that your phone is going to make noise or whatever. And if we would know when it's going to make noise, we would be more relaxed. But just because we never know what it is and also the anticipation of what could be, like is it that notification of that, that hot girl that you like? Probably not. Is it the notification of a message of that person that you like? Probably not. Or you know, some, someone that says, you know, a client, new client, for example, or someone that says, hey, I booked a trip to, to Jamaica. You know, those notifications, like you never know what it is. And it's like that feeling of excitement. Well, a part, most of the time it's not, it's not that, but it's just that, that feeling of, I don't know when it comes. So if, you, if, so, if you're programmed in such a way that you're just thinking about your phone all the time, when you're not with your phone, or even when you're with your phone, yeah, then that's a sign of like, yeah. You see people, then they tell themselves, okay, I, this is not healthy at all. Yeah. As you were sharing that, I was I was like thinking about my own self, right? I I don't I don't think I'm I have an, an addiction or or compulsory use. Like I I would categorize, and this is really bad, but I would categorize the people like here in New York City. So I drive a lot, and but there are people like as I'm walking my dog, they're on their phone and like walk into my dog, and it's like I would consider that a problem. But then as you're going through that list, I'm the type even when I'm at home, I'm not expecting anything, and I actually don't want to be tied to my phone, but I tend to like carry it with me when I'm going to go, let's say, read a book or watch TV. And so it's, it's an interesting thing to start bringing awareness to that and think about why that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
so it's one thing let, let's talk about now and, and start moving into like how you help and work with people because it's one thing to say you know what i i i have a compulsory use issue with technology with social media but then how how does someone now address it right and again turning back to sort of how you and i got connected some of it may be with games right so if if you want to dive a little bit into how you work with people and what you think is an effective tool or tools to help people distance themselves from social media and their devices. Yeah. So games is actually, so I use a six step formula and games is actually part of step five. And that was with step one. So step one is self-awareness. So with self-awareness is basically is always the first step when it comes to change. It's always, it always starts with self-awareness. So with self-awareness, you really want to understand like how much to use your screens, you can use apps for that. If you use the iPhone, you can use screen time. If you use an Android device, you can use digital well-being. And there are many other external apps like Forest and Rescue Time that can make you realize, that can help you to understand how much are you using your phone. And then you also want to understand what are you feeling and what are you thinking when you go for your phone and when you are using your phone. And with self-awareness, it is vital to understand where you currently are. So how is your devices and social media use affecting your relationships, affecting your self-actualization, your studies, your career, your ambitions? It's very important to understand that because it's very easy to, when you decide, okay, I want to change this behavior, it's very easy to tell yourself, you know what, nah, why not? Why, why would you? Because everyone is using their devices. Everyone is using social media. People will say, hey, you're antisocial. Why are you going to be uh, offline? You know, how would you know what's going on in my life? Because, you know, I posted on Facebook and you don't, you don't use Facebook. So why would you disconnect? So people, they, they create these stories, right? Of, you know what? Yeah, maybe I should not really detach myself from my phone. So that's why it's important to realize how it is impacting your life. And then you also want to understand where do you want to go? So how does your, how should your relationship look like? How should your self-actualization process look like? And how does your smartphone fit in that life, in that desired life that you want for yourself? So self-awareness is all about understanding where you are and where you want to go, how you use your phone and what the main reasons are why you're using your phone in the first place and social media in the first place. And then step two is insight. So step two is basically what we spoke about earlier. Step two is understanding about the detrimental effects of excessive phone use and social media use, about why we are so hooked, why social media is so smart in us staying online so much why can't we just use social media for five minutes instead of uh, five hours? So for example, with social media, I always tell people that the world that you see, you think it's the world that everyone sees, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's a highly, highly curated world based on your behavior and clicks that they know exactly what they have to show you so you keep online, you, keep, you stay online for as much as possible. And social media knows you better than your spouse knows you. And so you think you pay, you don't pay for social media, you think it's free, but you do pay for social media, you pay with your data and time. So if you understand that social media knows you better than your spouse knows you based on your clicks, behaviors, then you can imagine the value of that data. So that's why we're the product and the advertisers are the customers. So they want to monetize our eyeballs and that's very important with step two. So it's basically an extra layer of motivation to make people understand why it's so important to disconnect and why it's, why is it so hard to disconnect in the first place? And again, I also then explain about the detrimental effects like the Google dementia phenomenon or what it does to our brain or psychological effects that we become depressed, that we become sad and lonely. So that's all step two, insight. 
And then step three is a digital citizenship. So people, they complain about their phones, but they don't want to trade it for a feature phone or a flip phone. So then I say, we might as well just embrace our smartphone. Let's use our smartphone in such a way that's going to enhance our lives. So that's why, for example, I created that iPhone course. So digital citizenship is all about understanding your iPhone so, or your Android phone, any device. So learn about do not disturb, grayscale, do you know about dark mode, do you know about night shift, about auto lock, about the privacy settings, about the security settings. And when you use social media, you use Instagram, you use Snapchat, do you know about all these features, the privacy settings, the security settings? You want to know these features so you can set your platform or account in such a way that you can use it mindfully. So create specific lists on Facebook, unfollow people on Facebook, for example. So you want to be aware of the platforms about your devices. And also you want to understand how to operate online. You leave a digital footprint behind. The internet remembers. So whatever you do, people can find out. For example, Google image search. If I take a photo and I put it in a Google image search, then Google can find out where the photo was taken. So that's why you want to be careful what you share online. So digital citizenship is all about teaching people how to behave online. You know about cyberbullying, flaming, trolling, catfishing, sad fishing. You want to understand about how to spot fake news, how to spot deep fakes, because now we have the phenomenon of deep fakes that's becoming more popular and it becomes very hard to recognize what's, what's real and what's fake. So digital citizenship is all about how to behave in a specific way, how to use internet etiquette, netiquette, and yeah, how to use your devices and social media. So that's step three, that awareness. Like you don't like, some people say tech savvy. Sometimes I say, yeah, okay, yeah, that means become tech savvy, but sometimes it can be daunting, that whole idea of becoming tech savvy. It's just like, be aware of what's going on, how to behave and how to use your smartphone and social media accounts. Know those products well. And then step four is digital habits, screen habits. So digital habits is all about, okay, now it's about setting boundaries. You learned about do not disturb mode. You learned about doing the notifications. So step four, digital habits is all about in enabling those options. When are you going to enable do not disturb? When are you going to disable notifications? Also, introduce specific boundaries that, has not, that, that is not connected to your phone. So for example, the no phone zone rule. That's, some, that's the rule that I always introduce. So when, uh, when you take on a specific activity, introduce the no phone zone. So when you eat, the dining area becomes a no phone zone. When you watch a movie, the living room becomes a no phone zone. When you go to bed, that area becomes a no phone zone. And also introduce the phone lounge rule because I noticed that people, when they have to leave their phone somewhere and people don't know where, they just, they don't, they're like, there's going to be a discussion of where am I going to leave my phone? Can it, can it be there, can it next to me? Or at least a bit behind me or, or all the way over there? Have, have a place. Uh, assign a specific place in your house where you're going to leave your smartphone when an area becomes a no phone zone. And you can even charge your phone at the same time in that particular place. So have that as well. And then also, um, so, so for example, when someone says, Johan, I want a quick, quick, quick tip, how to reduce my phone, like how my, my phone use, my social media use, then often I use one of the strategies of that step, screen habits. So for example, I say, introduce the no tech hour. Like one hour, don't use a smartphone. Sometimes people are very frustrated and they want to disconnect from, from their phone, social media for one week. They want to take on this digital detox that they hear about a lot. But I say, look, if you're just emotional now. Probably tomorrow you're going to just go back to your phone again, right? So start small. You want to build that momentum. So for one hour, 
every evening, one hour, don't touch your phone. Check if you can do that. Can you do that? Yes? Then introduce a no tech Tuesday, for example, or two days of no phones. Another, another uh, strategy that I introduce is a counter trigger. So your phone is always triggering you. Could be an internal trigger, could be an external trigger. So an internal trigger could be like a feeling, could be you're like traveling and then you're kind of sad or you're bored and then you open your phone. Or you're triggered by an external trigger. Could be that you see a movie character using their phones or you see a friend using his or her phone and then you go for your phone. So you're constantly triggered to go for your phone and then you want a counter trigger that makes you mindful again, that reminds you to think if you really should using your phone. So for example, change your wallpaper, put a quote like don't touch me or uh, lock me again or what are you doing or enjoy the offline world, some quotes or a photo of a person who you deeply care about, a person that motivates you not to use your phone so much. So when you see that, you have to then think twice, okay, am I okay to use my phone? And it's still fine if you use your phone as long as you do it mindfully, as long as you're not doing it unconsciously because you're programmed to go for your phone when there's notification coming in. So those counter triggers, like I, sometimes I say, use an ugly phone case, like an eccentric phone case, that every time you go for your phone, you see that phone case and that nanosecond will like make you think of, ah, yeah, I have this phone case because I should be mindful. And then that nanosecond, the person can ask himself or herself, okay, do I really wanna go for my phone? Or why do I go find my phone? Is it okay if I go for my phone? And then you say yes or no. So all these counter triggers or having your phone upside down in front of you when you're watching a movie, I always say, don't have your phone close to you, but if it's somewhere close, put it upside down that when you see your phone or it's lighting up, that you see, you can't read it because it's upside down. And just that moment when you see that, it's like, why is it upside down? Why can't I read it? And like, ah, oh, yeah, of course. And that counter trigger then makes you think, okay, I have the choice now to go for my phone or not. So, so basically, screen habits, digital habits, is all about these strategies, how to set boundaries, when to use those phone features that help you to detach from your phone. Screen time is a lot of options like downtime. When are you going to use it? Are you going to use it? So that's what that step is all about. And then step five is embrace life. So that's when board games come in. So it's, if, I always say it's not about pushing your phone away, right? It's not just about pushing social media away because you're still looking at it. You need something that pulls you away from your phone, something that makes you turn around and so you can place your focus and energy on that activity. So it's all about activity, embracing life, enjoying the offline world, become curious, become interested, experiment with activities. So lately, a lot of people ask me, what can I do because we're in this pandemic and we're home a lot? So I say, play board games. I always say, and when it comes to indoor activities, play board games because it's like, even I, I, two years ago, when you, when you asked me about board games, I, I would say, well, there's Clue, there's Stratego, and there's Scrabble, and that's all I know. But I discovered this whole community of board games, and a lot of people, like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real hobby. It's called modern board gaming nowadays. And there's so many fantastic board games, and I noticed when I play a board game with, with, with friends and family, we don't think about our phones. Like, I don't even know how to spell Facebook. Like, it's, I'm completely oblivious to that whole online virtual world because you're so immersed in that activity. And that's why I prefer board games 10 times more than video games. Because video games, you can do it with, with someone else, but you're just looking at the screen. With board games, you're interacting. You're, like, creating a story. And you notice that people talk about 
that story. Like, yeah, I was the antagonist. I was the protagonist. I was, I was this mummy. I was this monster. I was this. So people talk about the whole experience. And it's like, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of benefits in terms of cognition, um, communication. When you're shy, it's easy to talk. You have to, it's, it's good for critical thinking. It's, you have to make decisions. You have to be creative. You have to strategize. And then, I, for example, you have co-op games where you are working together playing against AI. Like, I've never seen that before. So that was pretty fascinating. And to play, you're in a team where you play against this invisible enemy. And then you have to work together, you have to collaborate. And it's funny because then you learn different characteristics, you know, of someone. You see, like, a different side coming out of that person, right? Or that game that you played, Codenames. Like, like it's the second most popular party game ever. And it's the second best party game as well on BoardGameGeek.com. I've never played that game, but I can imagine that's such a unique way of communicating to get to know each other on a different level. And that's why I always say board games is the number one indoor activity. If you want to do something that's not connected to screens, do that with the whole family. So that is, that's, so that's Embrace Life is all about activities, embracing life. And I would always say enjoy the offline world as well. Go on meetup.com, meet people, go outside, go hiking or with your spouse, you know, gather romantic songs and, and create your own playlist or like a collage of photos that you travel and then you make your own collage. Like those types of activities, just for people to bond and connect. So that's step five, embrace life. And then the last one is embrace thyself. So this is a big one because this is all about self-development, self-actualization, about improving yourself. Because like, like I said earlier, we, we lose our self-confidence. We outsource our happiness. We, want, we wait for other people to say good things about us, so we will think good things about ourselves. So when someone says, ah, you, your hair looks good, you, you tell yourself, ah, yeah, I, my hair does look good. Yeah, I, I am good. I look good. But when someone says, yeah, you don't really look good, you'd be like, gosh, I'm not really that good. Yeah, I'm not so, you know, I, my hair is not good, or I'm not enough, or I'm not talented, or I'm not that. So with self-development, it's all about improving the story you tell yourself about yourself. It's about you becoming your biggest fan because we're all, all the time, we're our biggest critic. We're all the time our biggest critic. We, the way we talk to ourselves, we would never talk to a friend, never. But somehow we, we normalized this negative conversation that we have with ourselves. Even if I tell you, like, I'm amazing, a lot of times people will be like, whoa, that's arrogant. You know, like, that's why would you post? Why would you say that? Or compliments. You give someone a compliment, oftentimes we say, well, yeah, like nice shirt. We say, well, this shirt is from the 90s, right? This is not really that special. Like we're not used to it, right? To, to receive compliments or just to say good things about ourselves. So that step is all about learning how to build that self-confidence, you know, keep the promises we make to ourselves. And that's why I say small steps are vital because you have, to, if I tell you, Richard, let's meet up next week and I don't show up. And then again, I tell you, Richard, let's meet up next week and I don't show up again. And I say, Richard, let's meet up. And you will tell me, well, Johan, I don't believe you anymore. And that's what we do with ourselves as well. We don't, we tell, we tell ourselves, I want to go to the gym and I'm going four times next week. Well, I never went to the gym in the first place, right? And then what happens is you're not going. The person's not going to the gym four times, not even one, maybe one, and that's it, not four. So we break those promises oftentimes because we really think big, but we also try to act big immediately. And the focus is not on developing the habits, on, on the habit and not basically it's not we shouldn't really focus on the intensity that basically in other words we shouldn't say i want to go to the gym four times a week let me just first say let me drink a glass of water five times a day that's it starting small so self-development is all about basically becoming that person 
that you described in step one, self-awareness. And also to become mindful, to understand that when there's a trigger, you have that freedom of choice to decide if you really want to go for your phone or not. So when you have that, when you are, the more mindful you become, the more space there is between the trigger and the action. So that's why that step is vital. And if you, if you really truly own that step, and you become more conscious of your mortality, you know where to place your energy and focus on, it's, it's much easier not to focus on your phone. So, and those six steps, it's not like you have to do step one, two, three, four, five, six, and you're done in eight weeks. No, it's an ongoing process and they're all interconnected. Like then you have step two and like all these developments are still ongoing, of course, we have to keep learning. New research is coming out. So it's all interconnected. That was uh, like, I didn't know you were going to share that, but that six step <laughs> framework and the detail that you shared, I like, that's hugely valuable. So um, I really want to thank you for that. And like, um, hopefully people who listen to this really think about, and again, I, I think even as a start, like examining that step, step, six step framework and thinking about like, who am I being with my phone and where, how am I living with it? And, um, and if nothing else, get an ugly phone case. <laughs> <That's what> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, what, exactly. As you were yeah. sharing that and um, kind of like pulling this now to, to like how you help people and how they can connect it, connect it to it, uh, to you. Um, when, when you mentioned sort of the, this idea that people have, it's a popular thing that I'm going to take a week and disconnect from, from social media, from the world and go off the grid. I, I think like that's, that's the normalized thought, but then what, something that you're talking about is really a perspective shift, right? The way we think and, and the lens through which we view the world, what kind of, and you said it throughout this conversation, it's a lot of mindset and self personal development. What kind of mindset shift do you think people need to start, be, I guess, embracing to, to make that transformation from, you know, I'm going to disconnect for a week on a beach and not look at my phone versus like incorporating that as a lifestyle thing. Do you think that there's a perspective shift or, or I don't know how to describe it, maybe a mantra, something yeah. like that, that people can start like really analyzing their, their relationship with social media and devices? Yeah, I think a good way is to re, uh, reverse engineer your life. So basically, like I said, like if the more conscious you become of your mortality, the more, the more you look at life from a macro level, so you, you basically can see the beginning where you are now and the end, the more you understand that spending time on social media is not the answer. So first of all, introspection is super important because if you have, some people, they say, look, I just need a few strategies and I'm good. Just give me a few strategies and I'll be good with my phone. And then I give them and then often they're good. But there are also people who are so immersed in social media who really need that introspection. They really need to have that talk with themselves. So that's vital to own your ego, to have that talk with yourself. And it's going to be painful. It's not pleasant. But you need some type of motivation of like why that is important. And that's why you want to also figure out what you want and you want to understand where you do want to go. And also when, if, if, when we're 80, all of us, when we're 80, we'll never say, I wish I spent more time on Facebook. You just know that, you know, I, those moments that I was walking with my daughter on the beach, or I was with my son or with my wife, we had that conversation. Those moments you'll be thinking about in, in many years from now, when you look back, when you cannot do much anymore, so that's why you need that awareness, that, that macro vision of love your own life. And yes, it, it takes work, especially if you're used to escaping, like you said, like people are using social media a lot, but it's just 
used as a coping mechanism and we're always used to finding coping mechanisms so we can deal with our pain or try to just not think and not feel our pain. So it's really having a back of vision and that introspection. I think if you have both, then you truly understand, okay, I want to invest in my relationship. I really want to connect with my future self. I'm very serious about that life that I envision for myself. And you believe in yourself. And that's why heart, that's why social media is so detrimental because it can make you think you're not enough. And then you have a vision of a life that you wanna live. And then you actually try to portray that life. But instead of posting about it, why don't you actually try to live it? You know, or people do things, active, take on activities, not for the sake of enjoying them, but more for the sake of posting about them because they think that's what the people online will find interesting or that's what will make them ad admiring you, you know? So we don't really focus on what we want. It's like some, I, I've, I've, I've heard that some people, they really prefer to have success than happiness. In other words, success that you can display to people rather than you enjoying yourself by yourself you know and i think that's a problem and i think a lot of people now they sacrifice their offline version for the online version for the sake of other people but some people they actually think that that's better that that's much better than just feeling happy if no one sees you and you you can be satisfied you can be fulfilled by yourself so it's 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 a shift like you said and I think when people are very aware of the detrimental effects, that's why you have step two, the insights. I think then people will realize that, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg, Evan Spiegel, Jack Dorsey, all these CEOs of all those platforms, that they're the ones who make a lot of money. And then what about you? You know, so you need that introspection, macro vision, and, and that motivation to go to the next level, to become that person. Johan, I, I really, really appreciate your time, knowledge, and insight. This is, like for me, this has been a very fascinating conversation. Um, and it's, it's, it, it's probably, like you said, something that is in its nascency that people don't think about, but it's real. And like, there's, there's going to be long-term impact that we don't know because we're just not in a position to recognize it. So I really appreciate you sharing that with the AR Nation. Uh, if people awesome. wanted to get in touch with you, how could they get in touch? And I know that you, on your, on your website, social media breakup, there's an assessment. So maybe you want to share a little bit about what that is and how uh, listeners can get in, in, get into the assessment. Yeah. So socialmediabreakup.com, uh, you can subscribe and then you get a report that includes a test where you can check if you are a phone addict or a compulsive, a compulsive user. And also you will receive a six step formula series. So every day for six days, you will receive information about each step plus instructions. And I also have an iPhone course for iPhone users, as I said, and if people send me an email to Johan at socialmediabreakup.com and they say they have heard me at the Richard's podcasts, then podcast, then they can get the course free. So if they mention your name in email, then I will send them a free link. That is, I, I was, wow, you just made my day. I was not expecting that huge gift. AR Nation, go now to social media breakup or email Johan at socialmediabreakup.com. No, but I, you know, I genuinely appreciate that. That's super awesome, super helpful. And I know that, you know, as a lawyer, like everyone's on their phone and, and sometimes that those worlds are blended and they often, it often goes home. It often interferes with, you know, 
you know, your life with your spouse, your kids, family, friends. So um, I yeah. think a lot of people will know benefit from listening to this conversation and also checking out your assessment um, and hopefully taking advantage of your iPhone course. Um, so Johan Versteg, founder and creator of socialmediabreakup.com. I'll link up that information in the show notes. And Johan, again, it was a pleasure. Before I let you go, if you want to take hey. a brief moment, any thoughts you have, anyone who should reach out to you, any final parting words for the AR audience? If you have any questions, let me know. And meanwhile, be mindful. Understand that your phone wants your attention all the time. So you have to own your attention. Find something to place your energy and focus on. So you do not let your phone treat you like it's your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend. So be mindful. And with that, I love that. Johan, again, thank you so much. With that, <laughs> so much, until next time, take care, be well. Bye for now. Hey there, AR Nation. Before we go, I wanted to remind you of the Super Affiliate Accelerator. Whether you're looking to get started with an online business or if you're struggling to see the traction you've been hoping for in your current online business, the Super Affiliate Accelerator can help you see the success that you want in your business and in your life. The Super Affiliate Accelerator is an all-in-one, high-ticket marketing community where you'll get access to proven training, weekly coaching and mentoring from seasoned and accomplished marketers who've sold millions of dollars in products and services online, as well as access to a private mastermind community of like-minded and supportive business owners and professionals. Right now, the SAA coaches are offering a free complimentary business strategy call. So if you're ready to build a strong and profitable online business and brand, take advantage of the complimentary business strategy call today and learn more about the Super Affiliate Accelerator by visiting richardkiston.com forward slash SAA.